Have you ever just wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? The thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world just a little bit more like Jesus than we found it. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering on my friends in the pursuit of making God known through their unique calling. So buckle up because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. I'm your host, Rebecca Dotson-George, and welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. You're listening to episode 17 of the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. The music in the background is the song Sound of Freedom by the band All Things New. And if you have not listened to their episode where we talked to one of their band members, Garrett Hornbuckle, in the very beginning, please go back and give that episode a listen. It was a lot of fun. And today on the show, God did something really special. I got to connect all the way from our little town in Mississippi to Thailand and talk with Dave and Karen Eubanks of the organization Free Burma Rangers. If you have not already heard about the film that Lifeway just did, it's a documentary called Free Burma Rangers about their family, about their story. Please go check it out. Their mission is to bring help, hope, and love to people of all faiths and ethnicities in conflict areas to shine a light on the actions of oppressors, to stand with the oppressed, and support leaders and organizations committed to liberty, justice, and service. And total, since they started, Free Burma Rangers has helped 1.1 million people, which is just absolutely unbelievable. They do work in Burma, Kurdistan, Iraq, and Syria. And after seeing the documentary, I was so blown away by their testimony that I just had to have them on the show. So I reached out and they were so kind and we had so much fun. So I don't want to wait any longer. I'm pumped for you to listen. Let me introduce you to Dave and Karen. I am so thrilled to have Dave and Karen Eubank on the show today. So Dave and Karen, would you mind just starting us off by introducing yourselves? I'm Karen. I'm Dave. I grew up as a child of missionaries in Thailand and then went to Texas A&M University, was commissioned as an officer, was in the U.S. Army Rangers and then Special Forces, felt God's call to do something different. At the same time, got an invitation from a tribe in Burma. Burma's been at 70 years of civil war, saying, please come and help us. About the same time as well, I met Karen, and we got married. So I so grew up here. in California and Washington State and wanted to be a special education teacher and pursued that, Seattle Pacific University. Then before I got into my career, Really, I met Dave and felt called to be married to him and follow and pursue his call to being overseas doing mission work to displace people. And we have three children, Saheli, who is 19 right now, Suzanne, who is 17, and Peter, who is 14. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I loved hearing when I saw the film that Lifeway just did on your all's story. It told a little bit about that season when you guys met and Dave, how God was calling you to use your unique gifts to, to serve him in a unique way. So as we tell the story now, it sounds like such a triumphant moment, but I'm sure that was, that was a, probably a tough season of really praying through, okay, Lord, um, especially for you, Karen, is God asking me to join him in this? So you, could you tell listeners a little bit about that season when you guys were dating and into marriage? 
<laughs> it was an exciting time. It was something that I'd never expected. You don't yeah. honestly know who God's going to bring into your life for marriage. And yet it was the most exciting opportunity that I had ever had. Uh, Dave was an amazing person and I didn't quite feel like I would meet up to the call. And I had never planned to do mission work. I'd planned to be a special ed teacher, but I felt like there were children all over the world. God said, it'll be a rich life and I'll be with you. And yeah. Dave just had amazing vision and direction and adventure in his life. And I really felt called to that. And then that God would sort out what I was supposed to do on the mission field since I had no real picture of what that was going to look like. So it was a, a big step, but definitely the richest step I ever took. Yeah. That's incredible. And that's, that's an encouragement to me just in our first year of marriage. I moved as we were talking before we hit record about, about nine and a half hours from my family and about eight hours from where I'd lived for quite some time to, to join him in ministry. And um, it's been, like you said, just such an adventure, but it's, it's a lot of change. And so we're kind of still walking through a lot of that ourselves. And, and so just hearing your story has just been such an just an encouragement to us. So the free birth, we have been married almost a year. We got married last May. Wow. Yes. Wonderful. So we're brand new at this. <laughs> Good. It gets only better. That's what I hear. That's so. God's gift. Because we don't get, we don't look any better, but it gets better. <laughs> but it gets better. Marriage itself gets better. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's so good. So the Free Burma Rangers were formed in 1997. Just to share with listeners, your mission is to bring help, hope, and love to people of all faiths and ethnicities in the conflict areas to shine a light on the actions of oppressors, to stand with the oppressed, and to support leaders and organizations committed to liberty, justice, and service. So I'd love just kind of carrying on into your story, if you'd share with listeners about those first several years in Burma and just how you saw God at work. Well, we were invited by a tribe in Northern Burma called the Wat, and one of the many ethnic groups in Burma. And Burma's been in a civil war between a series of dictators in central Burma attacking the different ethnic groups, whether they're Wa or Shan or Karan or Kachin, many of them. And we started with the Wa, but also, also were invited to help the Karan, which are further down in the southeast part of Burma. And it was during a, a huge attack where the Burma army displaced over 500,000 people in Karen State, Karini State, and then Shan State, Eastern Burma, that I remember seeing people running for their lives, fleeing the fighting, boom, 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 and thinking, Wow, it's terrible. I've got to do something. God, what do I do? Yeah. And I'll help one person and they'll be glad and I'll be glad. I have no other plan. I'm just going to go. Go to the sound of the guns and go to where the need is and help. That's how it started. And when I look at it, I look at it this way. First, as a spiritual calling, this is what we feel Jesus has for us. This is where he says go. So we go. And then the next would be an emotional and intellectual. They both come together. Emotional being we love these people. Actually, they loved us first. And then we love yeah. them. And then intellectual oppression's wrong. Little kids running for their lives, moms are dead. That's wrong. So we want to stand against it. And then the last is physical. We like this work. I like running around the jungle. I don't mind it when things go boom. And so I think that's the order it came to us. And that's the order we want to keep it, which is the spiritual first. God, we belong to you. Yeah. We want to be your ambassadors. What do we do? And then the intellectual and emotional together. What do we think? How do we feel? And then the physical last to help it go. But it has to be last. Otherwise, everything gets mixed up. So 
that's the the why and how do we do it at first we just a backpack on medicine and walking in the jungle but very quickly i was joined by Ilya, our first ranger ethnic medic from burma mm -hmm. and then many others came and we carried relief supplies in gave medical help um brought food tarps and shelter if their if their homes are burned down and also tried to tell the story and as we did this people began to join us young men and women saying hey we want to help our own people can you give us training can you give us equipment can you give us surgical instruments and so we started to supply them train them and it became a larger and larger organization it's still quite small but now we have over 95 person relief teams in burma wow. and we have a team in syria and a team in iraq and kurdistan so awesome and a lot of these areas are kind of progressively highlighted in the film and I, dustin and i were talking this week and i said Man, if I think back on the whole film, one story that really sticks out to me is just the story that you share and, and the actual footage of you rescuing a little girl in the Iraqi war zone. I'd love, if you don't care, just to kind of unpack and tell that story to listeners. Well, the, the fact that it's captured on film is because of God's grace. And also, every Free Burma Ranger team has a, has a cameraman. And the reason we've been filming for over 25 years is to number one, put a light on the situation. Tell the world yeah. what's happening in Burma, in Sudan, in Kurdistan, Iraq, on Sinjar Mount with these EVs. Just tell the world what's happening. And also to let the victims know, this is not happening in the darkness. You count. The story yeah. will be told. Your story will be told. And I hope that perpetrators who are doing the wrong things can look and go, wow, I wanted to be a hero. I don't look like a hero. And so yeah. these are some of the reasons we, we, we film. And right before that rescue, there, this was, seven months in or eight months into the battle of mosul a lot of death a lot of dying one of my team members has been killed already been wounded four of our team were wounded we've been through a lot of fighting a lot of death and very dangerous almost every day and as we got to a certain point of the city we could see they were now beginning to systematically kill civilians and there's about 150 killed on one street alone and you couldn't even get near the street even a tank couldn't come because the isis at the end of the street there's a hospital and a, a pepsi factory complex or soft drink factory and all these buildings, they had not only machine guns, rifles, sniper systems, they had mortars, RPGs, and anti-tank systems that would take out any armored vehicle. So it was just a dead zone. And when I saw this little kid hiding under her dead mother, um, on the third, we found out later, on the third day she's hiding there in this massacre. Actually, there were seven kids when I, we first looked across the street, but one by one, they were killed. We only could rescue one. By the mm -hmm. time we could get any way to get, get to her, only, only she was left. And only she was left. She kept hiding under her dead mother and the ISIS behind couldn't see her. And I remember praying, God, what do we do? And we had a close relationship with the Americans. The, the generals at that time were General Scott Eflant, before that General Richardson, both of whom were believers and both said, we're going to help any way we can. So I, I remember calling them up on my little cell phone, my iPhone, saying, hey, I'm here. These are my coordinates. This is what's happening. There's a bunch of civilians across the street getting killed. Could you give us smoke so you could, we could obscure the enemy? We could go get them. And they said, yeah, we coordinate with the Iraqis. So we coordinated with the Iraqis. The Iraqis called the Americans. We acted as a go-between in the middle until we could get smoke. And right before the rescue, I, my, my plan was to have a bulldozer, one to smoke drop, have a tank go first to blast away at ISIS. A bulldozer go behind, an armored bulldozer to clear the rubble because there's a lot of rubble. And then armored Humvees would go behind that. We could drive right up to where this girl was. And, and then we, by then we could see there's actually two wounded men alive out of 150 dead. Jump out of our vehicles, pull them into safety, and get out. That was the, 
plans, which had a chance of succeeding. But the Iraqis said, no way. We're not going to send any tank down there. It's just going to get blown up. We have almost no tanks left. And the fight's raging on in the city. There's only one small part. I'm very sorry about that kid. But there's no way. Other kids are dying. Hmm. And I remember I just finally said to the Americans, please start dropping the smoke. They started dropping the smoke. And I asked the Iraqi commander, said, look. He put his head out a window to look, and bullets came flying by us. He goes, no way. I said, please. And more smoke came. And I said, look, a tank can go behind that screen of smoke. You have a chance. But I need a tank and a bulldozer and these Humvees. And he said, no. And I said, if Allah told you to do it, would you do it? And he goes, yeah, if Allah told me. And so I grabbed his hand and I said, dear God, dear Allah, please tell this colonel what to do in Isa's name, in Jesus' name. I mean, and he looked at me. And I said, what did Allah tell you? And he said, one tank. And wow. But no no um, bulldozer behind it to clear the way because the tank can go over the rubble and no Humvees behind that. We'd have to run behind the tank. He said, one tank, take it or leave it. I said, I take it. And I turned around and I said, who will go with me? I need one cameraman. And I had two cameramen at that point on our headquarters team. And Monkey, who ended up going, I said, I need a volunteer. He turned to Zhao Sang, one of my other team members said, Zhao, you go. And Zhao goes, no, 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 Monkey, that is not meaning a volunteer. You can't <laughs> tell me to do it. And Monkey goes, I don't want to do it. And whoever goes out there is going to die. So we, we prayed. We said the Lord's Prayer. Then Monkey said, okay, I'm going. And he ran with me along with a man named Mahmoud, who was a Syrian refugee serving as a translator, and Sky Barkley, who was a uh, U.S. Marine, previous service, out of, out of the Marine Corps now, and then an ex-Navy SEAL, just out of the SEALs, named Ephraim Matos. Great people. And then behind, uh, as our support element, I had Ilya, my first Ranger and first medic, Toe, the head of our medical school in Burma, uh, Zhao Sang from Kachin State, who's filming, as well as Dolo, uh, who was helping coordinate and translate, and my daughter Sahali, who was filming, a friend named Sam, who was filming, and then my wife, Karen, right here, and Peter and Suzanne and other people on our team were in the back at the casualty collection point. So we're running behind this tank, bullets are flying. They shot an RPG at us, mortars, mists. And it felt like when the tank turned around, your tanks, dude, they're big. They're way over your head. And that the heat on the back of that turbine engine of an Abrams tank is hot. In fact, I burned all the hair off my off, off here, off my arms and burned my skin right there. And but start trying to stay as close as I could behind the tank so it was shieldless, because ISIS was on three sides. In front, a little, a little bit to the to the front left and to the right. As we ran, it felt kind of like, you know, when you go up on a on a um, what do you call this? A roller coaster. You're going up in a roller coaster, you get to the very top, the apex of that thing is about mm. to drop. And yeah. that's that scary feeling when it drops. Well, imagine if you had a lever on your little roller coaster car, and at that moment you drop, you just cut loose. You have the ability yeah. to cut that thing loose and just fly. That's exactly what it felt like. Like, you're gone. You're dead. Yeah. And I remember just running behind the tank saying, well, if it was my kid trapped behind that, a dead mom, and no one's going to save him, I'd hope somebody would save him, even if they died trying. I'd say it's worth it. Please, even if you die trying, try to save my kid. That's what I felt. And I felt that was love. And I felt that my wife and kids, if I died, my wife and kids would understand because I died for love. I didn't die to do something crazy. Love is never crazy. So right behind the tank, got up to the corner. I could see the, the girl behind her hiding under her dead mom. I could see two wounded men who'd survived also hiding under other dead bodies. Oh, whoa, there's three of them. So... At that point, the smoke is dissipating. So I called the Americans and said, I need more smoke, man. They dropped more smoke. Boom, boom, boom. It was amazing. What a country we have. Can you imagine? Yeah. Awesome. And dropped the screen of smoke. 
and then told Scott and Ephraim, just give me cover. I'm going to run. And just said, Jesus, help me. And they jumped out behind the vehicle shooting. I ran out. I grabbed the girl. She was clean, tight to her mother. As I pulled her off, there were bullets all around me. I don't know if the bullet hit. There was all kind of rubble. I was on this mixed rubble. I don't know if the bullet hit the rubble and knocked my feet out from under me, or I just slipped. I don't know. But I was down hard. But I never let go of her. I thought, I'm sorry, little girl. It's going to hurt. Boom. But I can't let go of you. And I jerked her back up, put her under my arm, and ran behind a tank. And when I got there, I said, there's two more men, man. we got to help them. So I told Sky, put your weapon down. You're going to come with me. You're a big, strong dude. And we ran out. Ephraim covered us. We picked up one man. And then I told Ephraim to come get the other guy. And we got um, both men back. As we retreated behind the tank, the tank's moving back, shooting its main gun. Boom, boom. And its coaxial machine gun. Bup, 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 bup. Ice is just pouring down fire on us. And at that point, one of the men that we were carrying slid off this little door we were carrying him on. It's just a piece of metal that we had him. Because all the guys were shot up, the two people we rescued. He rolls off. He gets shot and killed. Ephraim, who was on our team, was shot through the calf, hits the ground, almost gets run over by the tank, gets up and starts limping. Mm -hmm. Isis is shooting at us. The tank is shooting back. And we're retreating behind it, trying not to get run over. I'm carrying the girl and helping drag one another guy. And Sky and Mahmoud are dragging the one guy that survived. One guy's gone now. So we got one man and a little girl. I got the girl, and the rest of the team has this other man. Monkey's filming the whole thing, trying not to get shot. We get to the end of the street. I'm yelling for our Humvee to come from a side street. And Bernard Grenier, who's a journalist, good friend, who's been with us in Burma, he's French. And he said, Dave, two days before he said, Dave, teach me how to drive this Humvee, man. I might be needed one day. So I taught him, and he was needed that day. And he drove out, and bullets are pinging wow. off the Humvee. He picked us up. We drove back to safety. I called my, my daughter, Sahaley, was there, and she jumped in the Humvee with me. That little girl drank six bottles of water and about a 15-minute wow. drive to the casualty collection point where Karen was. And, I, and we put her on the hospital bed and checked her for wounds. The girl, little girl was the only person not shot out of 150 people. Wow. So after giving her an IV and feeding her water and biscuits, uh, we put her in Karen's lap. She fell asleep. I checked on Ephraim. He was fine. He had a through and through his calf. Couldn't walk, mm. but he was going to be okay. And we evacuated him back to Erbil. And then we continued the mission. Because the next day, we had a whole other rescue to do involving five people trapped in an ISIS building. But that's another story. But to me, that whole thing was wrapped up in God's um, opportunity for each of us to, to love people. And yeah. when you love, it'll enable you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. Absolutely. Um, you won't protect yourself first. You'll think of someone else first. Without Absolutely. love, for me, it's almost impossible. Yeah. And I remember this beautiful shot, Karen, in the film of After the Rescue. You, you said something to the effect of, you know, I could think, oh, you know, how do I support her? What do I do to help? And you just grabbed her and you just loved on her. And it was the most beautiful scene um, just watching you just just hold her in your arms. Man, I just I love that story. So thank you so much for sharing that. That was awesome. Awesome to see. And just to and be able to even see the the actual footage of it happening was just yeah. so incredible. Oh, and the whole footage, and if you saw all the footage besides being long, it's pretty gruesome. I mean, there are little oh, kids I'm shot. Oh, I'm sure. One, you know, one month old babies in swatting clothes shot through the head. Wow. People flipped upside down in wheelchairs. I mean, there's a total carnage. But in that, in the whole thing, her whole family, that little girl's name is Demoa, which means tear. And the whole family's dead, but she has a grandmother and an aunt. And so mm. General Mustafa, you saw in the movie, great Iraqi general, he was able to track that ant outside of Baghdad, Diyala. 
and they're now reunited. And we reunited with them uh, um, about a year later, which was a wow. huge gift. And she's doing well. Now she's learning English. Oh, that's so awesome. Now, just from seeing the film, I know the concept of loving your enemies is, is something that you've really had to come literally face to face with as you've brought freedom to the oppressed, right? And all of the work that you do, would you tell us how you've seen God at work in you in this way? Well, I mentioned it in the movie, you know, we, we like to think we're on the right side. They're on the wrong side, whoever they are. And sometimes you're kind of on the writer side, but all of us have sin inside us and yeah. all of us are on the wrong side sometimes. And all of us are God's children. So even if you fight someone in a, if you, if you want to call it a just war, if you believe in that, even if you do that, you're fighting God's kid, no matter how bad they are. Yeah. That's a holy thing. That's a, that's a dangerous thing. So our enemies are usually people who hurt us or are threatened to hurt us or we're angry at, and they're opposing us in different ways. And in combat, they're opposing you, at least in modern combat, with guns. They're going to try to kill you. And that happened to us many times. It happened to us in Burma. happened to us in Sudan. In Sudan, we went as a family. It's not in the film, but we were bombed every single day. They're trying to kill us and all the civilians. So those are enemies. And I've always prayed, God, bless our enemies. I prayed that because Jesus said to do it. And I think it works. Mm. But when you really have been badly hurt by someone, it's very hard to pray for them at that point. And even if you pray for them, it's very hard to love them. In fact, I think it's impossible without Jesus' help. Yeah. And this is to me the proof that Jesus is real. You try it. You say, yeah. Jesus, I will do whatever you want me to do about this enemy. And you listen to what he says and then obey him and watch what happens. The supernatural happens because you yourself, when you've been betrayed, hurt, your friends have been killed or your loved ones killed or abused, there's no love in you. At least not me. No way. And justice in your, your heart says, kill them, man. Smoke them. Punish them. That's, how, that's our human feeling. And it's also based on, on justice. But it ends up being, when it's not born of love, it ends up being hate and hate and revenge. And pretty soon that doesn't stop. You know, what you sow, you reap. So you, yeah. you, you think it's justice you're going for. No, it's revenge, man. You want revenge. You hate this person. And those seeds you sow will come back and get you. That's yeah. how the Satan works, which is exactly opposite, but the same principle, opposite result, the same principle of sowing in love and sowing of the Holy Spirit. You do things okay. that are God and of love. You sow those seeds. They will come back in love to you. The same principle, two different results. Yeah. And so... For me, when you can't love someone, when you can't forgive someone, when you have an enemy, the only thing you can do that will give you a good result is to say, Jesus, I will obey you at all costs. You know, yeah. I can't love that person. I can't. I shouldn't even have to, but I will obey you at all costs. And listen to what he tells you to do. You only have to obey him. He knows what needs to be done at the moment, and he'll mm -hmm. tell you. And so whoever's watching this, if you have that case, don't start with, oh, I got to love this person or I got to forgive him. Maybe you just think you can't. Maybe you can't. You start with Jesus, help me, help me. You know, he's the, he's the one that saves us. He's not the one that gives us lectures how to save ourselves. He saves us. He's a savior. That means you can't do it yourself. So Jesus, help me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I mean, that's the other part of it. You got to obey him because you, when someone's going to save you and they say, put out your hand out, you got to stick your hand out or whatever it is. And I mean, and sometimes though, God just grabs us without us sticking any hands out, but Jesus help me is where you start. And then what do you want me to do? And watch what happens. And for yeah. me, he changed my heart and he keeps changing. Me. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's such a good truth. Now we've talked a little bit about your children. You, you introduced them in the beginning and shared a little bit about 
than being present in that rescue. Could you talk a little bit about raising your kids in Burma and just along this whole story, kind of in what God's done in that, just the experience of raising kids in this type of environment? Well, Dave and I have done it together, of course, and certainly not just the two of us. The blessing of our lives is that we have a team of amazing uncles and aunts in Burma, mm. brothers and sisters to Dave and I, and uncles and aunts to the kids who've come alongside and taught so many wonderful things to our kids, uh, not just how to fish in the river or how to go find the buffalo or the ducks, but just amazing eternal truths like compassion and living simply, generosity and hospitality. These are things that we found in the villages of people that we visited that I realized I didn't even know that much about. I was learning it myself at a much greater level, deeper, deeper level. And I wanted my kids to live that way and experience that as children, to be that different kind of person as an adult. And so even though there were challenges and fears all along the way for their physical survival or emotional, I felt it was an amazing opportunity to teach them something eternal. And people would say, this is scary. And I'd say, but yeah, it'll be amazing if we survive it. The kids are going to be so much better off. Absolutely. Having gone through this as kids and, and not gone through it, but being gifted with these things that I think are really of eternal value. And I know that one of the scriptures that has always been in my mind for this has been, don't be afraid of that which kills the body, but that which kills the soul. Mm. We need to put as much eternal stuff into our kids as possible because we don't know our last day. We don't know their last day and we should be fluent in the things of heaven. We should be fluent yeah. in the things that are just another step to eternal life and an eternity with Jesus and doing it here gets you ready for that. Not in a fatalistic sense, but in a, what is really going to last because you just don't know what's going to get stripped away from you right now with all of the fears of the virus going on. People feel out of control and Honestly, I felt out of control a lot in our life because we put ourselves in those situations voluntarily to try to help people who are in serious crisis and usually have lost mostly everything. At the same time, these friends have taught me how they live well in that by saying, the Burma army, they can take my house, they can take my property, they take my family, they even take my health. I can be tortured, but they can't take my faith, my hope, my love. They can't take my spirit and what God has put in me. And really, that's what we want to give our kids is that Absolutely. at the end of the day, those are the things that are eternal that God's going to give you. And then out of that, for the tools, the creative solutions for every human problem, what am I going to do about the decisions I have to make come out of those eternal things that we should be fluent in? And again, I say this as someone who's trying myself to get there, but the time raising the kids has been an amazing gift of adventure. They have so many great animals. They have so many great mm -hmm. adventurous experiences of swimming and hiking and uh, not just the jungle either. Dave loves just living life at the fullest. So we have so many activities as family that we do together that are, I don't know, exciting skydiving and mountain climbing. But again, it's pursuing God at whatever he's given you that is just at that limit. Um, you want to be able to get to heaven and say, I used every single bit of the world that you gave me. Mm, yeah, man, that's so awesome. I remember there was a scene in the movie where one of the girls was riding bareback on a horse just through this kind of brush area. And, and Dustin looked at me and he said, man, 
what joy she has just in what, what child do I know that knows how to ride a horse like that in that type of environment? It it was just so sweet to see. And so thank you for sharing about that. I just love that. And um, thanks for appreciating that. Yeah, absolutely. We thought it was beautiful. We really did. And and everything we have is a gift. Yeah. And Karen, I know God has also given you a very special mission. So I call it it the good life club. The good life club. Okay. And it did come out of that verse with abundance, John 10, 10. And it was a real special moment when I was surrounded by a group of kids ready to visit with them and do some songs and games. And I just, in a moment, sort of froze and look out and realized, wow, these kids have huge needs. They've been displaced. They're in fear all the time. They just look in a place of deprivation. I can't fix their problem. I couldn't even take home one child and fix their problem, really. And I felt Jesus say to me, you're right. You can't, but I can. Introduce Mm. them to me and I will give them abundant life. And that verse has served me these 25 years out here. But abundant was a little bit of a long word for kids. So I decided to shorten it to good. But when you say good, you should breathe (laughs) into that abundant. So, and it does have those two parts, body and soul, because those are the two things that we have every day with us to nurture and to steward and take care of. And I believe as a teacher, kids can do a lot for themselves. They love to be taught whether they say so or not. They love to learn things. They love to be challenged at a higher level. So when it comes to personal hygiene, they know a lot. They can be taught a lot and reminded of it. And then when it comes to the spiritual life, we all need tools for courage, for love, for faith, for forgiveness, for hope. And there's the Bible is full of stories. So our team's try to give that. And often the program is ministering to the teams just as much. A lot of our teams in Burma are not Christian and they haven't grown up with the stories of faith and courage that I did. And I'm excited to be able to share those with them. So as they learn about those stories and those spiritual truths, just this season, we did the story of Noah as we went out to the villages and seeing how God keeps his promises. God promises an abundant life for those who are obedient and follow him and pursue him as Noah did. And they had a great time putting on that drama. And so it's Mm. the Rangers themselves who are blessed by the truth as well as the fun in the story. And then the kids, of course, you want to leave more faith, hope, and love in the village than when you got there, is what I say. And we had a great time. And then we talked about healthcare and did a little skit on the environment. My daughter, Sahili, wrote a skit, how you should not throw trash in the river. And they had a real fun time with that. And then games and gifts as we're given gifts, t-shirts and other kinds of donations, we can give it out to the kids there. A lot of that, or I should say all of it is carried on foot, whether it's people's feet or the horse and mule team. So we don't have a big threshold for uh, stuff to give out, but we just out of your hearts, you want to be able to send these ranger teams, like Dave said, the 90 teams with enough abundance in their hearts to be able to bless kids, whether it's five kids or 50 kids or 500 kids, that out of their understanding of Jesus's reality in their life, as they're learning about that, and that God brings new things into a bad situation, overcome evil with good. And out of the ranger's hearts, they can, as a team, bless a village like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, I love that. I love how God's using you there. And Dustin, actually, Dustin and I were talking a few minutes ago before we hit record just about kind of 
where we are with this whole coronavirus situation. And Dustin said, you know, one question I'd love to ask them just as a leader in the church would be, you know, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of, there's a lot of news and there's a lot of stuff going around kind of regarding all of this, especially um, in the church right now. And I'd love to hear what you'd share just from a leadership perspective, either one of you, um, in all God's taught you, what are three or four things that you would share with a listener who's maybe leading something, whether it's a church or a business, et cetera, in the midst of this time in our world? Well, first I'd say God is bigger than the coronavirus. Yeah. And it's the coronavirus is real. Like other threats to our lives are real. Like sin is real. Uh, disease is real. And there's consequences. And you try not to sin. And then with sicknesses, you try not to get them. And if you get them, you try to treat them. But they're, they're real. And although they're real, each community in terms of this virus, there's different ideas of how to, to treat it or try to manage it or mitigate it. You know, do you, do you do what some countries are doing now, which is trying to do a lot of isolation, not so much to defeat it, but to spread it out so it doesn't overcome the overload the health systems or you just let it run its course? and see what happens. I, I don't know what the right answer is. I think we have to take the information that we have to the best of our ability, take that information, share it together, and then pray, God, what should we do? And I think if we pray about the information, step by step, day by day, we'll, we'll know what's the right thing to do. We should not be led by comfort. We should not be led by fear. We should not be led by pride or laziness. So, you don't want to overreact because you're scared or you want people to think that you're, you really are a concerned person. So that's why you're doing these things. You know, you're just afraid of what they think of you. At the same time, you don't want to just blow it off and say, hey, it doesn't matter. I do what I like. I, I think there's a balance and different places are different. My, my dad is 90 years old. My mom is 88. And you know what they did? They haven't stopped doing anything. They're still they're on a, a trip right now across the whole length of Thailand. They don't mm. stop. And if you ask them, they'd go, yeah, we're concerned about the virus, but we're concerned about a lot of other things too. Sure. And we're just going to keep living our lives. And if we, God takes us, he takes us. We're in that, we're in that category, 90 and 88 years old. So they don't, they're not fools. They don't throw themselves away, but they don't live in a lot of fear. Yeah. <laughs> and so to me, I don't, I'm not sure the right answer you know, for America in the situation now. I think that we have to look at this together. And we choose the course of action, not based on fear, but based on as prudent as we can be. And then we do it together. It's kind of like there's a lot of ways to make a touchdown in a football game. But if you all argue amongst each other as a team, you're not going to make anything. <laughs> so you, you make not a very good play. It's like, man, why do we keep running up the middle? But if you keep making yards and it works, stick with it. Yeah. So I think we're trying to figure out in this world right now what works. But do it together as much as we can. I don't think I have a lot of wisdom other than um, don't be led by comfort, fear, or pride. Yeah. Ask Jesus what to do. He has an answer. He's bigger than this. Some people have already died from it. Some people will die. Many people die from other things. I think still more people die from car crashes and all kinds of other diseases, abortion. I don't know the numbers, but there's lots of ways to die. So it's a serious event. It's something we're, I think, all praying against and doing our best to stop. But I think keep living your life. This is, you're still alive. Keep living it. Absolutely. Oh, that's so good. 
Well, like we talked about before we hit record, I'd love for you guys to just talk about just some ways that our listeners can be in prayer for your family right now. Um, So I'm going to let you guys share, and then I'm going to switch chairs with my husband, and I'm going to have him pray over you guys before we sign off tonight. The kids are looking at school situations, and so I think first on our calendar in one way is what do they do with their next year? They're both out of high school. And then I'm homeschooling my son. So that's kind of always on my shoulders is, am I doing that well? So just their next plans. Um, at the same time, we are doing our ministry and off to support and encourage the teams and villagers that are in crisis. Despite the coronavirus, the Burma army doesn't pay, pay too much attention to it. And it still has threats against villages that we know of and villagers are needing support and help. And so we're looking at ways that we can continue to do our work despite um, a lot of isolation and closures around the world. Um, The rural areas are still pretty open. So we'll look forward to going and doing our mission there. So I think priorities as the kids think about what to do and how to do it well and where. Yeah, we we just came out of Syria. We, We have the main areas we work are Burma, Iraq, Kurdistan, and Syria, and, and we've been into Sudan, but not recently. So my prayer request will work like this. When, when do we go back to Sudan to help there? And that's something outside. We just came out of Syria. We're working in many areas in Syria, usually in the front line in the fighting. In fact, one of what Zhao Sang, the man who said, you shouldn't volunteer me. <laughs> Um, in the Battle of Mosul, he was killed right next to me in Syria earlier, um, about four months ago. We have a relief work there, but we're also helping rebuild the church right in the heart of Raqqa, which is the capital of ISIS. And now that ISIS has been pushed out and they destroyed the churches, we're trying to rebuild the church. So my prayer request in order is to get Sudan, when did we go back? And to bless the people there, that God would keep blessing them, especially our friends and the little chaplain corps there. And then in Syria to rebuild the church, the church in Raqqa, we could finish that. And for our teams operating there and for Iraq and Kurdistan, they're on lockdown right now, actually because of the virus. So they're not doing a lot, but there's a lot of chaos in Iraq. ISIS is resurging. And then we're back here getting ready to go into Burma. And my, my prayer request is that we could get in because the borders are much tighter. Now, normally we don't go by visa or passport or airplanes. We have to find ways to walk or or paddle a boat across or whatever, but it's still harder to move right now. So my prayer request is that if God wants it, that by next week we'll be in Burma on a one or two month relief mission into an area that the Burma army is now attacking. And so we feel we want to go help. We have teams on the ground, but we want to resupply them to reinforce them and go help. So those are my prayer requests for the different areas we're working and to make it in next week. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, um, uh, I'm going to ask not only as uh, Rebecca and I uh, just join in prayer for you, but I'm also just going to ask that as the listeners are listening to the podcast, that they too would uh, would join in prayer for these requests and uh, also for others that, that God just impresses upon them. So let me take a moment and pray for you. Lord God, we come before you. And Father God, we just, we just give you thanks and we give you praise. And we give you thanks and praise for your sovereignty. We give you thanks and praise for your goodness and for your grace. And Father, we give you thanks for the, for the grace that you have given in your call 
And Father, I just thank you for the way that uh, you've called Dave, you've called Karen, and that you're using them all around the world uh, to bring justice, to show your love, to, to help people who are in desperate need, who have, uh, who have no way uh, of knowing where that help is going to come from. And Father, we just give you thanks that you sovereignly place them in the right places at the right time. And so, Father, we ask just that for these requests that have been made. Father, we pray that you would open the necessary doors. We pray in Sudan. We pray in Syria, Father, that you would do a work there. Father, as they're working on these churches and as they are rebuilding them, Father, we pray that that gospel presence would go out from there and that lives would be changed for all eternity. Father, we also uh, just lift up these countries that are on lockdown. Father, we pray that in, in, your, in your timing that you would open up those borders and allow that work to continue there. And Father, we pray that you would do a work and that you would allow them to re-enter Burma. Father, we pray that you would open that door if that's your will and that that would be such a clear working by your hand that we would just give you the praise and all the glory and all the honor for that. So, Father, I pray you would go before them now, grant them your continued boldness, grant them your continued direction, grant them your continued wisdom. And, Father, we know that, that you tell us in your word that if we lack wisdom, we can ask you and that you'll give generously, you'll give without reproach. And, Father, we just ask that you would just bathe the, this family in your wisdom, and you would give them incredible guidance and incredible discernment as to where you would have them to go next, the people you would have them to help, and the way that you would have them to do that to bring the most glory, honor, and praise to your name. And it's in Christ's name we ask these things. Amen. 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 Thank you. That's Thank awesome. you so much. It's an honor to what be we with needed. It's an honor to be here with you. Hey, likewise, man. Thanks for helping us get places. Well, I'll report what happens next week. Great. I look yes. forward to it. God bless you all. God all right. bless you. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you need anything from me at all, I'm super easy to find Rebecca Dotson George on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And hey, let's help make it possible for even more listeners to be encouraged by hearing stories of my people doing the thing. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, screenshot the show and share it on your Instagram stories. Oh, and make sure you tag me there so we can connect as well. All right. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And thanks so much for listening to the Do The Thing Movement podcast.